Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Nick Finzer. I am here with Alan Blanchard, and today we are not talking about This Is Jazz. Today we are talking about uh, some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff about making your first record, your second record, any record, and kind of how we organize things and kind of give you a behind-the-scenes look of what it takes to put out a record uh, in 2021 and beyond, and specifically kind of how we do that here at Outside In Music. And of course, your now, this podcast is both in video and audio form, so you can kind of see us talking about this stuff. If you're listening, you can go to YouTube and find it. If you're on YouTube and don't want to see our ugly faces anymore, you can go uh, to your favorite podcasting uh, situation and uh, check it out there. So, Alan, thanks for being here and taking some time so we can share some info. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, this was, uh, I didn't think there was really an option. You know, we just kind of discussed we were going to do it. So <laughs> here I am. Well, thank you. Uh, regardless, <laughs> even though you felt trapped into doing this. But um, I think, you know, something that's interesting is that, you know, you kind of have flourished as a team member Aww. here at Outside of Music. But um, I thought it was interesting kind of how you got started and kind of how you've come to this point being with us. So for you know, some of our audience out there, especially ones that are thinking about releasing their first album might also be recently finished with college and just finishing. It might give some context to how you started uh, working with the company. Yeah, it was by chance because um, you had just been a visiting professor at FSU. And I think I was the first person that actually uh, started helping you with mm -hmm. things because, you know, we worked out being able to do this as an internship instead of me taking some classes, which I preferred that to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, and then afterwards, you're just like, hey, man, like you don't suck at this. Like we <laughs> I think this could keep going. You know, it could uh, you could learn some things. And I was like, sure. So, gosh, that must have been five or six years ago now. And it's just mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I've been a leech. I just haven't I haven't left. I haven't, <laughs> you know, and it's here we are and uh it's cool you know because it's it's i will say it's really uh unique to be like 26 and be so much more aware of everything on the other side because had i not been i would be i mean i am extremely concerned about like the music and like is it good enough to record is it good enough to release but understanding like everything else that goes into it gives like a little bit of like a broader perspective which i think it could be beneficial to everybody if they understand a little bit more about the industry and like what the industry wants before you go and record you know and, mm -hmm. and it will provide a better um an understanding and realizing that some things that might seem like disappointments are not actually disappointments or some things that might seem not a big deal are actually really big deals and how to you know balance all of those things mm -hmm. yeah no, that's that's great and uh, good context. So Alan has kind of been here along the way as we've kind of ebbed and flowed. I don't know if that's really a phrase, but using that in the past tense, but um, kind of changing things because, you know, uh, if you had listened to anywhere where I've given kind of the origin story of the label is kind of a trial by fire, trial by error. Yes. Those things. <laughs> uh, and it, the deal has changed. The way that we do things has changed many, many times, usually at least two, three, four times, even in the course of a year kind of continuing to try to you know maximize opportunities in the digital space and all kinds of things but so what i wanted to do is give kind of people a rundown uh we get a lot of dms we get a lot of emails i get a lot of emails in my personal email sometimes about um how to submit the music and all that stuff and that's totally cool um, but there are some official 
ways, best practices in terms of doing that and kind of getting through the whole gamut of what we're looking for and all that kind of stuff. So I thought this could be a cool place to give people some context about all of that. So the first thing to talk about and we're going to kind of talk, just talk about the process of putting an album out in, you know, at this point, just to give some context that maybe some people don't know when this podcast comes out, uh, we're recording this on August 10th. So it'll come out sometime in August and we are already booking 2022. So if you want to get a sense of like the timeline of projects, this is the number one thing that artists have no clue about is the, the timeline that's necessary to really do a proper promotion. Could we get your album up next week? Sure. It's not ideal, but we could. <laughs> but, you know, but is that going to be the best for you? No, it is not. Uh, doing the surprise release like Beyonce or Jay-Z only works if you have that kind of scale of audience that's already like super invested in your career. So uh, number one thing is is uh, figuring out the timeline and knowing that it's a long time out. We'll kind of come back. We'll circle back to this, but um, it looks like my camera froze for a second. But um, all right. So, Alan, how should people submit their music? What's the best way for them to get it to us? Yeah, I mean, personally, um, I've kind of I've gotten a preference with it, which I think is kind of become the industry standard is definitely like a SoundCloud link or something that is streaming links. Um, we will definitely if we choose to move forward with the release, eventually need, um, you know, the, the wave files, the MP3 files and everything. But it's so much easier when we have a streaming link and we don't have to download things or rely on like Dropbox or Google Drive's like internal uh media player and everything and it's just that's so much easier and then always uh providing a little bit of context you know unless you're christian mcbride and like you're like oh this is my band you know like people will be very aware of that who that band is but when you're you know younger and and newer into this give some context of like who you're playing with maybe some information on past releases if it's not your first release like oh this was picked up here and here you know uh, this is a link to my past release on Spotify so that they can see like changes and everything. Um, and I personally like hearing like any form of intentions and goals that they have up front, because when we go through things, it really helps us weed out um, problem areas, you know, places where people might not be aware of how things actually will end up going. You know, if someone comes across and they're like, I want to do radio. Great. We can do radio, but then that's already going to make us then suggest to you like, well, we need to print this many copies of a CD or we need to move this way with it. So that's something that can help. And if, you know, you don't send that initially, that's fine. We can totally get there in the conversation. Um, but a little bit more information and context up front really helps. And if you already have like a publicity team you're working with or or any form of social stuff you're kind of doing, you know, just giving as much information as you can. But of course, we'll always ask more questions and all. Of course. And so that gets us to kind of what to submit you know there's some forms on our website you can go and put put the forms in but generally this goes into how our deal works is that we start with especially if it's your first time working with us from a finished master so that means that like if you're still writing the music it might not be time to reach out to us Uh, if you're just thinking about something you know if you want to start a conversation that's totally cool but we're still going to ask for the finished masters before we agree to release anything or to uh to to get it on the schedule for sure because we want to hear it we want to make sure it's up to the you know recorded standards you know i love it that people are 
able to you know ask their friends to do the mixing and the mastering but it does still need to kind of be up to a professional level to kind of match all the other releases that are coming out so um, yeah basically what we look for at the beginning is for you to send us a message don't pitch us on Instagram DM that's not going to get you an answer I'm just going to hit you back with the email address so you can either uh, go to the website and use the form that's the best way uh, or the second best way is just to send an email so it's info at outsideinmusic.com I'll even the next time Alan is talking I'll even uh, throw it up on the screen if you're watching because I'm just fancy like that but um, so those are the things and if whatever context you can provide for us is always great uh, like Alan said, with about your goals, about your intentions, uh, and who will work, who you want to work with, and things like that, we'll um, go ahead and t we'll circle back on that and talk a little bit about your team and assembling a team later on. But uh, so basically, what happens is you send those things in, and then we send it around to our team, and we take a listen and see if it's going to uh, fit inside our outside of the music family. So uh, when I say family, I mean that we have multiple imprints and multiple ways of getting your music from master to the street because we've wanted to put out as much music as we can but there's only so much you can do with one brand before it becomes a little oversaturation so uh, to kind of help with that and be able to release more music we've started imprints so an imprint is like if you think if you think of the clear a clear one is um, like big record companies like RCA or like I guess they're not around anymore but Sony, well, like Sony yeah, or like Warner Sony, Music, yeah, exactly. Warner Music, Universal, they own many labels to go into many different genres. So that's more a little more clear, you know, like Atlantic versus uh, uh, what's the hip hop one? I, mean, I forget. It doesn't really matter. But they have different <laughs> ones. The country ones have their own names, you know, to kind of differentiate between. So we kind of all deal within jazz, right? But within the context of what we're doing, we have basically. You know people that maybe are a little bit more established some brand new artists or maybe it's their first release and then we have kind of sometimes other projects that that fit into what we do but they might not fit into those other two categories so we kind of right now have uh three labels that we work with in terms of our imprints we have outside of music which is obviously the first one and kind of the, the more established releases and then for people that are releasing maybe their first record or it might not be the first record, it might be their second or third, but kind of the first one where they're really going to invest in their project and really try to make the most of it, assemble a team and all of those things. Uh, they might fall under our next level imprint. So the next level is people, early. I say early career, it could be first record or first couple of records, you know, and so we try to um, make that brand about breaking people to the industry. And a lot of the focus there is trying to get you an affordable release package that's going to allow you to kind of keep going and make another one not without having to save for 10 years for the next one uh, and then our third uh, most recent imprint is we call outside in arts and so some some of that is straight ahead jazz some of that is maybe um, not quite straight ahead so meaning like maybe it's more fusion or maybe it's more uh, avant-garde or maybe it's more kind of in many different directions or many different purposes and kind of moving that way and so the last thing that we do uh, is if it doesn't really fit in any of those ways or we want to collaborate with other people or they need help we do something called the white label deal and so a white label deals where it keeps your name and uh, we, we try to help with that Alan maybe you could um, let people know a little bit about what happens with a white label as opposed to being on one of our labels yeah, I mean, it's kind of exactly what Nick mentioned at first. You know, if like let's say, um, there there was a rapper, you know, or or a rock and roll band or something that 
we we were you know really about their music we thought that they were doing great things they needed some help with stuff but they would get no benefit being associated with a jazz record label and we would get no benefit being associated with the rock and roll band you know that's like that's not our scene um what we then can do is list everything so it just appears under their name you know our name is not associated with them they are not associated with us but on the back end you know through emails and everything we can handle setting stuff up with our distributor whether that be physical or digital on spotify and itunes and all of that stuff or um we can help them with publicity type things where appropriate whether that be just like creating press releases and one sheets you know it, it probably won't make sense for us to send stuff to our press contacts that we have but we can help create some of those assets and help with some more of that um analytics and and almost managerial type stuff on the back end um to, to help set them up for success and, and it has nothing to do with a we don't think the quality of his music is is up to par we don't you know we don't think it's good music we don't think of anything like that but sometimes it doesn't make sense for us to be associated with it you know it's like why t-pain is not releasing on the same love label that like rascal flats in the country scene was doing you know it just doesn't make sense you stay in that lane that's like the most uh beneficial for you exactly so we'll kind of talk about some of these branding things in a little bit here but essentially those are the options that we have and kind of where the lanes that we put people in but uh in general let's talk a little bit now about like kind of what we're looking for so we take a listen and kind of what is it what is it what are you looking for so when you what do you listen for first when you uh hear something new um wow okay yeah that's tough Uh, i think the first thing that i listen for is like how long does just naturally do i stay attentive to it you know, like how long do I do I listen to it? I definitely listen to mix much, much more uh, now that like we've been doing this for a while. Like that's one thing that really stands out quickly. Um, if like the drums are super loud or like I can't hear the bass or like things just it doesn't just necessarily seem right like that. And, you know, we'll, we sometimes give that feedback back and be like, you know, and sometimes people adjust it and whatnot. But it's just it's things that stand out. Um and the other thing too is like I will often listen to one or two tracks all the way through and then I kind of skip around with some other ones. You know, so like I'll listen to a track all the way through, I'll listen to another track all the way through, and then I will try and like skip around to find things that fit in the pieces that I haven't heard yet. So like if I know it's a quintet and it just so happens that like the first two tracks I hear, you know, like a piano solo and a trumpet solo, but like I don't hear sax at all. I'll find something else where like I can scroll through to like a saxophone and like hear out what it is. Or someone gives us something that's more programmatic. I try to see like how it all fits together mm-hmm. um, to make sure that works, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and to a degree, like I already start thinking of like, you know, cause I, I talk with them a lot and I, Nick does too, but start thinking about like, okay, like how will we position this? Mm-hmm. Because if I can't think of how I'm going to position it, then that to me makes me need to think a little bit harder, you know, because I don't, um, I don't feel right necessarily taking on a release where like, I don't have an idea of like, well, how can we work this? Mm -hmm. Because if I, if I don't know how to work it, like it's not, I can't help you to a degree, you know? And so I just want to try and be like as transparent as that. So like, those are the things I think about. I mean, obviously like the baseline of like, are they in tune? (laughs) You know, can they play? (laughs) is this the correct melody on such and such, you know, like feeling that out. Um, yeah, but that's a given. Well, it may, maybe, it may be not. I mean, I think the first things that I listen for are 
kind of like does it have does it have a, a vision to it does it sound like something you know when i hear it and, and i mean like just i mean musically and sonically and in terms of tune choices you know like you can kind of tell certain things based on tune choices the titles um do they take do you take the time to like actually type in the track names how you want them to appear on soundcloud or did you just throw them up and it says like tune one take three blah blah blah, blah you know and it has it doesn't have like just so you know like all of those things to me play into the first if i don't know you you know the first um, impression of you and your music so i listened for what you're saying so kind of like overall artistic vision like you said where does it fit in the context of everything we do or does it fit and then and then if it seems like okay i can see where this would fit then it's like all right i need to find out more about that artist and so this kind of ties into some of the assets that you need to have when you go to um when you go to uh, release something but like i go to their website and i want to see who they are what they're doing and so if you don't have an updated website if you don't have social media accounts if you aren't posting i immediately i'm kind of like mm, is this really going to work with our model because we're very digitally focused we really find a lot of success with people that really are willing to take the time to push their stuff out on social media and take the digital stuff seriously um, so those are the first things that i uh, kind of check out in that order so um i think what you said like there's some basic you know has to be good enough sometimes you turn something on and it's just like this is not happening and sometimes it's because it sounds like a home recording and there's nothing wrong with home recording but you still it still has to be polished enough to sound like a professional recording and then um and then for me it's vision and kind of what is this person trying to do and uh, can can we help them kind of thing so from there i think then it's usually a back and forth between you and i first uh, alan and i first about like kind of a yes or no and then from there it's a more nuanced discussion of like okay where does this fit so is it outside in music is it an established artist is it a new artist is it someone who's doing something a little out of the ordinary and then we kind of get into figuring out uh, where does it go but once we figured out let's just say for sake of argument that this is a new artist and it's a their first release they just finished their master's degree at whatever school you know doesn't matter really and they want to get this record out so let's kind of talk about what would happen next so i think that would involve the kind of the questionnaire that we send with just assume they didn't send any of the answers to your questions so what kind of questions would we send them back yeah so the generic questionnaire we do just via email until we get like much more nuanced and everything is kind of like um what's your rough timeline uh what's your rough budget you know have you thought about what you want to do with printing have you thought about radio um who is on the record i think that's it uh, mostly assuming that they send stuff out you know because then from that you know what we start to figure out is like okay well here's their budget and then we start to see like what things already will naturally fit in that budget and then what things do we need to make them aware of that cost more maybe than they might think and why does it cost more uh like that question with radio mm -hmm. and then talking about print you know we generally recommend printing everything especially if you want to do like a proper publicity campaign because it's still a necessity nowadays um and so you know crossing that bridge and that conversation if we need to and then the other biggest uh conversation sometimes can be timeline because like nick uh alluded to earlier you know sometimes people will reach out and be like they're just so excited about the recording they're like i just got this mastered like 
it's September. Can I get it out by like Halloween? And technically, yes, we could, but you can't, you can't do anything with that. And so one of the things that, uh, I know I hate, and I know Nick will, will probably agree is that we don't want artists to be putting like all this money and energy and everything into making this great recording, especially an album, you know, and then not put the other effort on the other end to like really see it through to the best of its abilities at that time. You know, like if it's a single, we're talking completely different things because it's, it's completely different uh, ballpark or even like a a small EP. But if you're talking like a proper album and a rollout campaign with that, I mean, ideally we're getting this stuff coming across our desk, like no later than six months out from release date. Uh, Like he mentioned, like we were talking about lining stuff up for Q end of Q1 and Q2 of 2022. Mm -hmm. And it's just because everything takes time you know, securing a publicist, getting all the print back, like all this stuff just takes time. Um, and we can't cheat time. <laughs> <laughs> time and in the inevitable problems. There's always some issue yes. that's unforeseen. And uh, you think it's not going to happen, no matter how on top of it you are, there will be something. And it's probably not in your control at all. Like FedEx decides it's going to take twice as long to arrive or, you know, or you... And it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Just know something will go wrong right. and we will help you fix it. But and something will go that. wrong. You know, when yeah. we say we, we need this amount of time, it's to budget two weeks for that extra fudge time or yeah. a month, you know. So so we, we kind of get that idea from first. So that kind of leads me into wanting to talk about kind of why we ask those questions about the budget and kind of you might be thinking like, oh, you're a record label. Don't you pay for everything? Well, no, is the short <laughs> answer. I wish we could say that we do. But our deal is set up so that artists can maintain control of their music. So that was always something that was talked about how in the history of music and the you know the, from the mentors that i've had they're like oh yeah this record label did this and this record label took this person's music and this label owns monk's catalog and this person owns this person's catalog and even if you look all the way back to louis armstrong duke ellington you can see the managers and the publicists getting these the credits right in their music and this was all had to do it has to do with whatever shady business practices so i didn't want our label this label these imprints to have that so I think it's better just to have a conversation about how we can work together, how much things cost. And it's our job to help you to get the best deal on all of the all the different elements that we can come up with for your campaign. So um, that comes to all the all the things that cost money to put the album out. Obviously, you've already got it to the point of being mastered by the time you come to us. Then, of course, we said you have to print and then you have to get a publicity and optionally do radio and optionally additional social media uh, items so kind of a ballpark around any of these items could be somewhere from you know if we print a thousand discs or 500 discs it's like somewhere between 900 and 1400 kind of it depends on your package and these sort of things and then we just keep a big picture here you know you could easily spend $2,500 2500 to $5,000 on a publicist, and same with radio. Now, when we actually do it, we have some different deals that we've worked out. We've got some packages we've worked out to use some of our in-house services combined with some of our vendors to be able to offer better deals uh, on these things and to try to, you know, live to fight another day is my, is my uh, mantra when it comes to especially our next level artists or first couple releases and even for established artists, because it's about, if you look back at your favorite 
you know, jazz musicians, artists, it's like you want to track them over time, right? You know, you don't want, you want to hear Miles in the 50s and then in the 60s and then in the 70s and 80s so you can track his artistry, you know, and see what he did differently. And so I think it's the same for any artist that it's important to document the journey along the way. And if you don't start now, you're going to miss out on the whole early part of your career and, and those documents. So don't spend all your money in one place, but we definitely require that you have to do some kind of publicity campaign to release with us and we're gonna um, guide you through what that looks like and that's kind of what we're here for is to do that and so all the royalty splits that we have are geared towards the artist every single label imprint every situation it's always going to be geared towards the artist it's always going to be uh, we always put the artists intentions first you keep your masters you keep your copyright you keep your publishing we take zero percent of all of those in very important items so you can continue to make money off your music and um, so those things are all really important but so it's kind of you know our partnership is that we're offering guidance we're offering solutions to kind of the self-release option because there's so many self-release options but you're going to get lost in this lost in the sauce as as you might say uh but there cd baby is great but you know, there's a lot of things you can't do. So maybe, Alan, you could elaborate a little bit on some of the things that we get to do uh, as a label that you know we can't really do when an artist is on their own. Yeah, I mean, Nick kind of hit the nail on the head there with like the uh, birthing of CD Baby and DistroKid and everything. It was great because it did take like some of that power away from the large labels, you know, that kind of monopolized everything and put it back in the artist's hand. And that's where... Um, we kind of lie, like what he mentioned. So everything is tailored to the artist. Uh, the only thing that we require, like you said, is a publicity campaign of some kind. Um, that does not mean that every album has the same type of publicity campaign. They are drastically different uh, from even two albums that release two weeks apart um, because it all depends on where that artist is and what they need help with. So outside of, you know, hiring a publicist, whether that's us doing an in-house campaign or an outside vendor or something. And the same thing with radio, us doing an in-house campaign versus an outside vendor. Um, we assist a lot in uh, distribution and setting that up and marketing and sales teams there. So we actually have uh, like a physical distributor and a digital distributor that we provide your assets for. And, you know, that's going to be who gets it up on Amazon, who does the brick and mortars, um, all the DSPs, Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer, Tidal, I mean, all of that stuff. And it's actually being worked by people, you know, like, so if you do CD Baby, like there might be someone that just makes sure the data is lined up correctly to get in. But like we work with that, with making those adjustments. And then as the campaign evolves and from the beginning, we work with their marketing team to get everything set up there. Um, I think my camera froze for a second, but it's all okay. good. So working with that and so that they can go back and pitch to the editorials and pitch to their sales team and help develop you, you know, your story as an artist overall. You know, how are things gonna go from release to release? How's press coming in and working with all that. Uh, in combination with that, often we're working with people on social media advice, uh, helping with facilitating ads for social media um, you know, in, in helping people think more of like, okay, well, I have this album. How can I generate, um, all of this content and like everything else that goes with it? And how can I capitalize more on that other than just like one unique release day? 
um, because it's more than just the one unique release day. And, you know, garnering all of that and developing like a, an audience and a fan base and understanding like the differences between all of it. Um, but it, I mean, it, it also just kind of boils down to trying to take some of that stress off of the artists, you know, because we just work on on the business side and help with that so that you can focus on the music, just make the music, you know, and, and we try to be as transparent as we can so that it doesn't feel like, okay, well, I made the music and now I'm being, you know, burned alive by the business, you know, like right. make the music and then let us, you know, walk you through it. There is no hidden bank account in, the, you know, the Caribbean or something with like all this money we're making. It's just, yeah. you know, we, we just try to be like, Hey, this is what we truly think you should do. And with it being Nick and I, it's it's not hard to get in touch up. You know, it's not like Nick talks to you at the beginning of and you never hear from us again. It's just that's it. It's an email. I mean, don't contact us on Sunday at like 7 a.m., but but we help out where we can and and try to be as uh, as flexible and, and transparent across the, the entire process, which is a long process. Right. So it's a six month process. So it's like when you're getting involved or, or longer, sometimes it's two plus years in certain cases. And uh, so knowing that it's going to be a relationship, knowing that it's going to be, you know, not everyone takes the advice that we give them and they may or may not regret that advice, not taking that advice. But our stance, my stance has always been that we're going to do what the artist wants, ultimately, if we can. Sometimes we can't. Um, there's some specific things about how things are formatted and presented where it's like, nope, that's just not how it works and you can't do that. Uh, and so we're going to get into a little bit more of some of those details in a future episode. But um, for today, I just thought we could wrap up by um, talking a little bit about the team and kind of why you would want to do radio and why you'd want to do publicity and why we've stressed those and made those a, a thing that's kind of like required to do something uh, to get the, the music out there. Um, because, and I'll just start and I'll just say, because if you don't do anything, nothing is going to happen with your music you know a publicist their job if you don't know what their job is is to present your music to the industry so that means there's certain ways that that happens so that happens through a press release that happens through a one sheet that comes from creating a narrative around your album and selling a story it's not just it's not just uh, selling the music we wish that the music could sell itself in and of itself but it's not always the case it's not the case that you can just show up and say here i am i'm amazing listen to my music you know yeah i mean and, you're you're right like as another way to think about it is that like a publicist is your hype man like that's what it is you know they are they're there to try and take everything you've done and try and position it in a way that's uh easily attainable and attractive to the rest of the world because as sad as it might sound, if you don't tell people about what you're doing or if you don't get the proper team behind it, like no one cares. They just don't. You know, it's 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 the same thing like getting people out to a show. There's always a show somewhere. And if you don't give them a reason to come to your show, who who cares? And as you go on and you develop an audience and fans, you know, they will already have a reason because they are your fan and they've established some relationship. But that's why, you know, uh, that's so important is it's the the first thing that's really the most like before you get a manager before you get a booking agent like before you get any of that stuff 
you know, you need to get a good publicist and there are so many publicists out there and there are so many great publicists out there. So don't feel like you just have to go with, you know, whomever it just find someone that you, you believe in that will work it, you know? And then the biggest thing is for, to remember too, is that you are, when you hire a publicist, you're, you know, you're not hiring for, uh, immediate results almost. It's not like buying a product where it's like, I went to the store and I bought a sandwich and then 15 minutes later, I got a sandwich. You know, like you, you are hiring someone who they're working you. So it might be an entire month goes by and nothing happens. It might be two months goes by and nothing happens. And then on that third month, everything happens. And that's, that's the way our, our industry works until you get to Beyonce level or whatnot. And then, you know, she goes to Target and everyone knows about it. But like, up until that point, they're just working you every day and, you know, ask for updates by all means, but just know, like, just as playing is, is a lifelong journey. Like the industry is the same in that, you know, like you are just getting worked repeatedly with that and, and they're, they are working, you know, but it takes time. Cause if you think about it, you know, they got to send an email or a phone call and they got to get an email or phone call back. And, you know, whoever they talk to might have to talk to somebody else and at where they're at, you know, it's, there's so much that goes back into it. And I'm sure we all have those moments where it's like, wow, I emailed someone and I wish that they responded immediately. Well, it doesn't always happen like that, you know? And it's, uh, that's another reason why the campaign's so long because it takes that. And because then these publications and everything else are having to plan so far in advance, you know, especially if you're thinking like a magazine, they can't just publish a story and then print it the next day and then have it delivered everywhere. You know, there's, there's time that goes into that. And so that's then what your publicist is doing. They're creating the story. They're creating the dialogue. I'm sure we all know uh, musicians that like, it's, it's hard to talk about yourself. It's hard sometimes to talk about your music and it's hard to put all of those things into a category because for us, it's just, it's so easy. It's like, well, I did this because I love this. And it's like, okay, great. We need a little bit more than that. Like we hear you, but we need a little bit more than that. And that's what the publicist then tries to do is, is get a little bit more of that and like see the big picture and see it from another perspective that then they can relate to, you know, a growing audience and a growing fan base and everything with that. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly right. And it's just one, one thing at a time, one love layer at a time. And knowing that you're building for the long run, just like I said, you got to make more than one record. You got to have the same publicist working you for more than one record to really start to build some momentum. And if nobody knows who you are, it's really hard to climb that hill the first time. But I'll tell you from experience that the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, you're not starting from the bottom of the hill anymore. You know, you're you still got to work to make a story and get it in, make the music, you know, relatable. And um, over time, you start to learn like, okay. I'm going to do this, but I know that it's not going to be as successful as if I did this other thing, you know, for a good example is that for me, at least is to say that my a record of mine that came out in 2020, I was really excited about it musically, compositionally and all of these things. I was very excited about it, but I knew going in, I was like, well, this is not going to be as commercially success, ex, ugh, successful because one tracks are long Two, they like allied together. And they're like, if you allied them together, they're 20 minutes long what radio station is going to play that none right so I, you just have to kind of like there's some basic things that you learn along the way that but it's totally fine and that's what i mean when i said we do what the artist wants so but we try to also temper expectations like all right if you want to do it this artsy fartsy way which is cool like i'm down but just know you're not going to get as much coverage as if you 
play an album of standards and uh, sing. Yeah, you know, it's just. And I mean, we're both musicians, and everyone that has ever worked for us as an intern or with us are all musicians. Mm -hmm. So like, we get it. You know, I mean, I know that we poke fun at like artsy fartsy and everything, but like, we get it. Like, I love sitting down and playing a suite. You know, I love doing all that stuff. I love playing standards. I love playing music that's not jazz. But, like, we just say that from a perspective of if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I want to release this album, and the entire album is a six-movement suite, you know, okay, let's listen through it. And I might be like, it might not be worth doing radio for this one. Right. Because it's not that it, it's not that approachable, and that's fine. You know, it's just being aware of that up front. And if you still want to do radio, that's fine. We'll bring it to whomever, but we're going to try and make you aware of like, this is some of the limitations I might see going into it. You know, we're not going to tell you to turn around and be like, well, go record an album of only Ella Fitzgerald covers and then, you know, we'll do what we need to do. But we're going to try and um, set you up for uh, what could be the realistic expectations. And hopefully we exceed them. Right, exactly. So um, just to kind of recap all this stuff, we didn't get all the way down the details of all of this. So if you have uh, questions, comments, you know, send us an email. You can use the email address that's on the screen or info at outsideofmusic.com. You can submit via our website. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, right down in the comments section is also good. And uh, we'll try to get your questions answered. But that's kind of the general overall vibe of what we do and why we do it is that we're trying to keep things in the hands of the artist we're trying to build a foundation uh, from which to build your career on um, or and to match your expectations with the services that you need um, that you can't um, have a mcdonald's budget and expect a steak dinner you know like so you gotta just be aware that that's kind of where we come in to kind of match up those expectations with reality and and, and to to keep obviously your hands on the music of the ownership of the music because uh, that's been a vital part of our of our deal for a long time. So uh, after you listen to this and you've got some music, you want to send it in. Uh, we'd love to, love to take a listen. And you know, there's only so much manpower, person power that can we have in terms of a year. And so we don't we can't have unlimited releases. But we try our best to do as many things as as seem appropriate and fit well. And if there's something really amazing, of course we're always going to try to squeeze it in one way or another. But, uh, you know, I kind of go by the uh, rising tides, raise all ships model that the success of one artist is going to benefit everybody. And that, uh, you know, being part of a family and part of a label uh, that you can grow with and that you can uh, have longevity with is always going to be better than just throwing something up on CD Baby and hoping for the best. uh, Just crossing your fingers. So, yeah. Any closing thoughts, Alan, on this part one? That's that's it. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> I got nothing else here for now. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Well, thank you, Alan. Thanks to all of you for taking a listen. Drop us your questions. Send us your music. And uh, we'll be sure to talk again real soon. Bye.